RDT Systems, baby. Dog tested and dog tough. We've got those soft mouth dummies. Now listen, everybody knows that we need more bumpers. I'm not talking about one or two or three. I'm talking about adding bumpers to your repertoire. I like using white or black and white bumpers when I'm training my dogs for marks and even blinds. You can get the orange ones. I dig it. But add a bunch to your repertoire. And I'm again, I'm not talking about three to six. If you're working on T pattern, if you're working on blinds and pattern blinds, you need a bunch, a dozen, 18. The Soft Mouth Dummies by DT can't be beat. Check them out, LoneDuckOutfitters.com. DT Difference. Let's go. Gunner Kennels, baby. Hashtag man's best kennel. Well, it's also now hashtag man's best food crate. It's freaking raccoon proof. You can't get into this thing. Your dog can't bust into the lid and eat all the food. Trust me, I know Memphis has done it in the past. She looks like a blown up pumpkin. Boom. But not anymore. We've got the Gunner Kennel food crate. It's easy to pack, easy to store, keeps food dry, which food's an investment, man. That Purina, baby, it ain't cheap anymore. So keep it dry, good, all that stuff. Easy to pack, easy to store. The Gunner Kennel food crate. Slide into DMs if you'd like to learn more. It's force fetch, baby. It's the number one question we get asked. You don't know how to fix it? Let me help you. Let me get you to your goals. We built a course bunch of videos. I think there's 13 or 14 videos start to finish on how you and your dog can get through the force fetch process successfully. The link's in the description. Be sure to check it out and let me help you and your dog. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles. We got a good one. I'm excited. We got a repeat offender. Our buddy Grayson Geyer from Lost Highway Gun Dogs down in the old Dixie, North Carolina. Bird dog man. We've had him on before. Super easy to talk to, ton of fun guy. We're really excited for this episode, but first, I want to chat with you quickly because we don't have much time left. Patreon. We appreciate everybody that's joined our Patreon, but if you want to get in on the all-expenses-paid trip with me and Kevin to hunt the Chesapeake Bay area, eastern shore of Maryland, shooting sea ducks, with the old pit boss himself, Captain Jeff Coates. You've got 12 days. It's September 2nd right now. So if this hits record and and drops in your phone tomorrow, that is, Kevin, I'm not good at math. Help me out. 15 minus 3 is 12 days left, everybody, to jump on patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. Now, on there, we got at least once a month, most of the time, twice a month, happy hours. Live Google meetup happy hours where we have a beer, talk dogs, answer questions, and have a good time doing it. We also have a bunch of never-before-seen videos that don't hit the old YouTubes and Instagrams about puppy raising and pigeons and all sorts of good dog training tips. Uh, What else? But again, you got 12 days. If you want in... On this deal, just to be clear, because you, you've said all expense paid trip, 
if you sign up, you do not automatically get oh, yeah. the, it's you're in a raffle. We're gonna do like a auto generated yeah, somebody wins. It's going to be live. Thing, yeah. It's going to be live, so we can't do it 10 times in a row and delete the video when our, our friend doesn't win. <laughs> it's going to be live so that there's no holds barred. One of our lucky Patreon members is going to win. So jump on there for as little as 5 bucks a month. You get a ton of good training tips, and you may just win shooting that. Mm, I was thinking about, about that segue. That is good. Thank you. I'm going to cut you off. I was thinking about it on the way up here, on the way for podcast night. When we do the live drawing, it's going to be a ton of fun, but it's going to be the click of a button, and we and then we're going to know there's no, like, I wish we had a lottery number where you would, like, draw the ball and everybody had their number. Oh, and, like, that'd be sick. That would, maybe next year. We'll no, we could do that. We could. All right. We'll figure it out. All right. We'll, but it'll we'll be live. Something out, but we're going to, yeah, it's going to be live. It'll be and live. So please be there, because that'll be super lame if we're like, hey, and Frank. Susie Smith wins. Frank, you here? Nope. Nope. All right, well. Cool. Sucks Thanks, to Frank. suck, Frank. <laughs> All right, next up, you heard it, that can't, baby. Now, it, I told you it's September 2nd. People are shooting geese already. Dove is opening this weekend in the south. Man, I'm jealous. I need to train. Master Nationals coming up, but I can. you can bet your bottom dollar when I get out there to pull the trigger. There's going to be bismuth going down range, baby. Check them out. Kent Cartridge on the old Instagrams. Tell them we sent you. And every time you see bismuth on their post, you just, mm, bismuth. That's what you do. Next up, Yukonuba, baby. The food that fuels the truck of Lone Duck. We're heading to Master Stationals this year in old Idaho. I'm really excited and I'm going to be loaded down with that Yukonuba, baby. I'm excited. The food's been really, really good to our dogs. Coats are looking strong. Dumps are looking real good. Life is good in Yukonuba land. Do that three-month challenge. I promise you. I, I, we've been talking about this three-month challenge for like 12 months now, and not a single person has come back and said, nope, I'm changing back. So take a second, jump on oldchewy.com or wherever you want to get your uke and get that uke on, baby. Next up, smoke them if you got them. Traeger Grills. I haven't used my Traeger lately. I'm going to be real honest with y'all. Doing ribs this weekend, a little Labor Day action. Can do some ribs. Found uh, they have like their number one ribs recipe on their app. We get all over that. And I was telling Bob earlier, we did food for the first time with my uh, new newborn child guy. He's not newborn, but... He's like four months old. No, he's six. Uh, My bad. Time flies. Smoke some veggies. And then just mash it up. Little man. First food. Traeger baby. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Smoke him if you got him, young Jack. All right. Gunner Kennels. Man's best kennel. When you're rolling down the road. And. Shh. It hits the fan. You want your dog to be protected. Get them into a gunner kennel. Duck season is here. We're getting up really early. We're scouting a ton. Our dogs are generally generally with us. Make sure you got them protected. Gunner kennel. You can hit us up on the DMs. We'll get you into one yourself this duck season. Now, when I'm preparing for that master stationals, baby, we got to be yoked up with that dogtra. Now, I did. I don't know if you guys saw this. If you go to dogtra 
hunting ops on Instagram. I did a little commercial. Normally, it's Dogtra official, but they also got one that's just specifically for hunting dogs. It's called Dogtra Hunting Ops. And I did a little commercial for the RR Deluxe. And this is their remote release deluxe. And it's a cool little unit. You know, you can set your wingers out at a distance, make a duck quack, make a little beep sound, and slap that winger at a distance to get it to release and launch your duck, dummy, bumper, doking, whatever you got. Or you can do your bird dogs and pop pigeons in a pop trap with your RR Deluxe. So check them out. It's at Dogtra Hunting Ops. You can see the little commercial we did for them. Uh, It was really fun. They didn't do it as fun as I thought they would. I had a lot more fun with it. So maybe they'll do like a, what is it called, Kevin? Help me out. Uh, I don't know, but we did, when we were filming it, we were thinking that they were going to do like a fun little mashup, and I think they just cut it into pieces, which is is fine. Yeah. But I thought it was. I don't know. I thought we were gonna have some. Music I thought it was freaking hilarious. Have a good, yeah. I tried to be funny, whatever. And then lastly, guys, LoneDuckOutfitters.com. I saw a strapping gentleman in Presque Isle, Pennsylvania, wearing some lone duck gear, and you bet your sweet ass he was throwing ducks. And he stood up and reloaded the winger, and he turned around. His back was to me, and I saw the unspoken bond. And I yelled to him while I was running a dog. I go, I love your hoodie. Swear on sweet baby Jack. (laughs) And he turned around and his face was like, yeah. Like, hell yeah, man. (laughs) I think Hunter was going to get a duck. It was awesome. So thank you so much um, for the support on LoneDuckOutfitters.com for the gear that we've got. If you enjoy the show, if you love running dogs and you want to share a little piece of that, Jump on there, get you some. All right, let's get in the show. Grayson, welcome, my friend. Great to have you back, baby. Thanks, guys. I hope you guys are doing good. Well, we we are. We uh, just to give everybody fair warning, we were just talking before the show, and Grayson and I are already bubble guts thinking about the big month ahead of us. It is Master National and NAVDA invitational month and the NAVDA is North American versatile hunting dog association and Grayson you're going baby where are you going I'll be going to uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess the town up I think it's Grinnell Iowa um somewhere out there in in a cornfield um but hopefully I hope to God it's not as hot as it is uh in North Carolina at the moment so it's been it's been a real chore uh, getting through the last month or so, trying trying to prep for this test. It's a uh, the timing on this thing is definitely not kind to those of us that that don't summer above the Mason Dixon line. That's right. No, I can imagine that. We'll jump into that in a, a minute. But so for the folks who don't know, NAVDA is for versatile dogs, which tend to lean heavy on pointing. Right. So it's your short hairs it's your drothars it's your you know and, and you specialize in the Brittany, the french Brittany, if i remember correctly yeah that's that's just oddball um and they're definitely uh there's a few of them that show up i think this may be like the sixth or seventh my my boy's going with me i think he may be the sixth or seventh that's challenged the test um but he's a uh, 
he's looking okay. We'll see. So I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> so at, at the yeah, invitational, yeah. what do they have to do? Because it's different. We've talked about UT, the utility test in, in yep. previous episodes where, you know, the dog goes and works a field by themselves. They got to do a yep. dock search um, and a few other little, you know, tidbits. But the invitational is is completely kind of completely different. What what do they have to accomplish? It it is. It's um yeah, I would say it's it's less it, it it's it's gonna sound relatively trivial to to the retriever crowd out there as far as like the water work, but it's it's a blind, it's a single blind retrieve, um, as far as the water work's concerned, across kind of like a they they kinda make it easy on you and make it a linear body of water. And so you really just need a blind across a large body of water, an exit, a reentry, and a delivery, um, which, like I said, sounds sounds really elementary to you. You're trying to do it with a Britney Spaniel, right? right. So, you know, or um, in in the fact that we spend, like you you just said, so much of our time in the UT test getting our dogs to to work really independently and expand their search in the in the duck search turn around, take that same dog, present them with the same essential picture. And now we're, we're, you know, you really have to shift gears in a big way between a utility dog uh, and a dog you're taking to the invitational. So it requires, it almost requires you to not be preparing for the invitational until you've accomplished the UT. And, and, and then, you know, if you're like me, um, prep for the UT is just, it's a you're, on the struggle bus the whole time because we're trying to do it in the summer here, which for the water work and the, you know, and the force work and stuff is, that's not that big a deal. Um, but when you're trying to get your field, field manners right for your pointing dogs, uh, that it could not be any worse. So, uh, which we, and, and speaking of which we have to do a braced, uh, a braced field run for an hour. Uh, your dog needs to, to demonstrate honoring in the field of another pointing dog. Um, you know, and continue to be steady to wing shot, fall and retrieve on command. You'll honor the other dogs retrieve. So it's a pretty uh, taxing sequence to keep your dog looking, you know, stylish and bold and still be, you know, that broke and then turn around and do all your duck work. So it's a challenging test. There's some, a double mark in there as well. Uh, so, which is not, it's not that big a challenge again, unless you got my, my dog Pete, uh, the marks like Ray Charles. So. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a trip, man. Like, I wish you guys could see that sometime. Dude, that's hilarious. Um, all right, let's, let's break it down a little bit. So you use the word brace and, mm-hmm. uh, that means two dogs running in a field together and then, mm-hmm. How, all right, like I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a scenario. I've got sure. my my girl Andy, and you got Pete, and we're working a field together at, at uh, the Invitational. What if Andy finds every bird? They're going to, and and I've got to say this as a disclaimer too. This is my first Invitational, um, and I'm relatively new to Navda in general. I've only been playing it a couple of years, so it. it I'm a, you know, I, I don't want to make a liar out of myself. I've tried to educate myself as much as possible, but, um, you know, I think there's some judge's discretion. 
but they're going to make a setup for your dog to back, gotcha. you know? And so Pete is a, and, and, and I mean, I'll be proven wrong as soon as I say this, but he's, you know, he's a bird dog, man, more than he is like a versatile dog. And so there's a spectrum for this stuff. And so the field is really where he tends to shine. Um, he likes to go, you know, he's a big, bold, you know, when I say big, he's a small dog that runs big, very flashy, stylish on his birds. Um, so backs when he feels like it, but does it with uh, a lot of panache um, when he when he does. And and so there's a good chance, you know, every time I run him a field trial, he's usually the first dog to the bird. And so I assume if, you know, the difference between what I would see at a field trial, which is which is more of my background than what I have seen at NAD, the, the you know the versatile dogs tend to be a little more methodical in their search of the field. Um, so there's a good chance my bracemate will will need to set up a back for Pete at some point. Gotcha. And so the judges will you know they'll contrive something and and make it work. Yeah, you know, and when we did UT, they were like, "All right, man, come and get some water." Like maybe they'll do that. Yeah. Like you and Pete have to go get water and allow yep. the other dog to work so that you can have the opportunity to back that dog. That's that. Uh, I think there's a good chance that that might happen unless we get in it. And, you know, odds. and then of course you never know, man, we might get braced with another, you know, just big, big running, whatever sure. out there. And so that, and that can be a lot of fun, but an hour, we just hope for good weather, right? Cause that's a long, a long time for dogs in the field so oh, if, you, if you got a warm day one hour yeah Holy yeah that's a crap so your dog's <laughs> got to be extremely well conditioned yeah and it's and it helps if you've got a dog that does pace itself or maybe moves a little more methodically and that's un, you know unfortunately that's not my dog so um you know but we'll see how that goes so all this is kind of new to me i'm you know excited to see how the judges handle this. I think, I, I, you know, they want to be fair. It's a test. They want you to meet the standard. And I think if, you know, they're going to try and protect your dog. They don't want you to, to hurt your dog. So I got a feeling there's going to be a lot of water breaks and, um, you know, things like that. But at the end of the day, it's, 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 it's going to be a challenge. And there are some unknown unknowns that are, that, you know, create even more bubble gut. Um, yeah, but at the end of the day, I mean, the basics, the fundamentals feel good. And I'm taking, I'm actually taking a poodle pointer for a client as well. Uh, who's, who's a little more versatile, uh, you know, that kind of norm, normal versatile type dog. So she's, she kind of helps even me out a little bit when I'm out there working with Pete in the water. Have you been practicing with your dogs backing other breeds? Yes. So uh, fortunately I've got like the, the breed nobody, everybody's scared of, right? I've got a dog, my dog's like, you know, half the size of every other dog out there. And if the cover's high, there's a good chance you're going to miss it. Luckily he's, he's white and orange and he does stand out a little better than like one of my black dogs. Um, but yeah, so, you know, for me, all these versatile dogs, man, they're like camouflage, you know, they're the Liverone and Blackrone. And, um, if they get in the shadows, you really, you really have to learn how to handle in such a way that you kind of prepare your dog without overhandling or without committing like a professional foul, um, to get them in there to, to see that other dog on point, if that makes sense. 
it makes complete sense. You're you're being a handler, not a. I, I talked to my clients today. He's about to run mm-hmm. his first master test next weekend, and I said it a thousand times. You're in control. You're the handler. You have to make decisions and keep the dog out of trouble. The dog will do the work, but you got to set him up for success, and you got to be right. ready for anything. So, what without committing a professional, you know, error, you know, yeah. what what are you going to do if you see him coming in hot and the dog's on point? you know, at the base of a hill and he's coming over top of the hill, what are you, what do we do? Well, so, you know, for me, my, my nature and what I enjoy, I mean, I love, and I love Madden. Don't get me wrong. And I have a lot of fun. I, I like, I love the game. There's, I've, I've met a lot of great people. It's really changed. It, it reinvigorated me a little bit, you know, and I, and I wasn't, not that I was burnt out, but it, it just kind of gave me a different gear. And so last couple of years have been, that much more enthusiastic and fun. That said, in my opinion, I feel like I have to overhandle in this scenario to show my dog well, you know, and it's something that hopefully the judges, and I think the judges tend to be very um, fair and permitting as long as your dog is handling for you, right? So the, the, where you're going to get into trouble is when you're overhandling and your dog's not responding to you. Right or, or working with you, so it's I'm gonna have to get pretty savvy in in that regard. So if he's bombing a hill and and I'm not, I, I need to make sure I'm in position. So there's gonna be times where I need to slow him down or speed me up, you know. And this is a very dynamic um, playing field because I'm not static, you know, or and and he's not static either in this terrain and everything else. So you really need to know where you are in in relation to hopefully where the dog is and stuff. But if you've got another dog on point, you've, you've had to kind of triangulate uh, the, the, the setup and, and make sure that you get your dog in, in the best position possible to make visual contact with the other dog before he's too close. Right. And one thing with Pete too, is I got to be careful. You know, if he, I don't want him to somehow, make contact with the bird or coming into the odor before he makes visual contact with the other dog, you know, and, and sometimes the wind shifts and things like that. So, you know, it's the big part of it's just going to be finding out where I need to be on the field, how to slow him down and uh, without, without hacking him too much um, and bring him around to, to hopefully make visual contact with that dog before anything else happens. If he sees that dog and he sees him from a good ways out, he's going to hit the brakes. If he's right on top of that dog before he sees him, it, that could be a different story. So, you know, that's that's where I'm at, and that's just Pete, and that's kind of the way it goes. If, if backing scenario for him, unless he has a vision of the field, and it kind of – I think it has something – I think it's congenital, man. I think it's kind of like his marking. Like, he doesn't recognize it as a backing setup if he's within, you know, 10 or 15 yards of that other dog before he makes contact with that dog. But if he sees him from 30 or 40 yards out, he's like, oh, I need to back this dog, if that okay. makes sense. 100%. Well, plus – Yeah, I mean, we're getting in the weeds with that a little bit, but that's – No, I you know, think that's what super smart. And I also think, you know, to to add to it, it's like if a dog is worth – it's a, a shit to give, you know, lack of a better term <laughs> – it's it's competitive drive is going to make it harder to back at 13 yards compared to 30. Yeah. I mean, they just, if they want it bad enough, if that dog's got the heart and the grit and the guts, 
it's going to want that bird bad enough that old Molly, the the other dog running, you know, it's just that competitiveness is hard. So it, it is. I mean, and, and especially and there's other dog like the other dog I'm running is a poodle pointer, and she is a she's a freak, man. She's a super high drive dog, and she honestly. from a, you know, competition standpoint is a little more of a handful. You know, I've got to watch her. If, if the other dog begins to, you know, if the other dog begins to, um, to compete with her, it it could loosen her up a lot more. Pete, Pete really is kind of pretty well poised. It's, you know, his thing is truly like, I mean, he's, he's competitive and he gets, you know, the bigger the other dog goes, the bigger he'll go. But, he he also, you know, he, when we talk about broke, I mean, he's broke, you know, hard. He just is like his brain does not work. If there's another dog 15, he doesn't recognize it as a backing setup at all. And so I don't think he intends to rip the other, rip the bird. If he ends up making, you know, if he makes game before he passes kind of the line of scrimmage with that other dog, he'll still stop, you know, but he just doesn't see it. He's like, I mean, we've been, we've done this for three years, man. I'm not changing the way his brain works at this point. I've recognized that, you know, it's, right. but if he crests the hill and there's a dog, I mean, if it's 200 yards away and it's standing high, he's going to, he'll back it from as far away as he can make good contact with it, you know, cool. but if he's on top of it, all bets are off. So, gotcha. that's, so again, like yeah. you said, you got to handle, you got to think before you do. Yeah, that's a it's a big part. It's a, being a savvy handler and all this stuff. And I think honestly, you know, I'll be. I think that the Navi guys or the judges are, I think, more lenient than most field trial judges. You know, um, and the, the difference being, you know, if I'm at a field trial when my dog, uh, you know, we we'll pick we pick dogs up. Um, so if a dog commits a foul that uh, that kind of breaks the standard. Like most handlers are just going to walk to the judge, shake their hand, and put leash their dog without being told and walk off the field, you know. And and in NAVDA, you don't do that. They're like they they're going to give you. They're going to see. They're looking for a general trend, you know. They're looking for a for a cumulative. How, it, what is your dog showing me out here? It may make a mistake here and there, but is it a good dog? And we're going to allow the body of work to to tell the story. Whereas in a field trial, you know, one one hiccup and and it's over. So do they have, they don't have prize one, two or three in VC. It's just pass fail. Yeah. Yeah. It's pass fail. Gotcha. What's your opinion on prize one, two and three? It's, it's hard, man. I mean, I, you know, I, I like, I'm just I, in, in my heart of hearts, I'm a field trialer, you know, and it's like you either, placed or you didn't and I like you know that there's something to me that there's it's it's like playing an individual sport as a kid where like it sucks getting beat you know but it feels really really good winning and um even a hunt test in general and I don't mean to take anything away from it but but coming from that world especially with I don't know with pointing dogs to me too like with retrievers I feel like if I if I were to pass a freaking senior with my lab i would feel like i uh you know like won the olympics or something but you know but you know and with the pointing dogs just making the standard like to me that just feels like you kind of got your ticket to the dance so i appreciate the one two and three because at least it's 
you know, it's a little more telling than a pass fail, but at the end of the day, um, I think there's some things, I think some great dogs kind of get passed over in the name of objectivity, if that makes sense. Some things happen out there and they just kind of stroke a piece, you know, piece of paper and take points away from your dog and, it, it may have been the best dog. I mean, when I've, I've been to some UT tests where I thought the best dog on the field didn't even prize that day, you know, but that's, that's just the way, again, that's the way kind of my, my mind works and the way I look at the, right. at the dogs and the course. Yeah. No, I, under, I understand where you're coming from. I also, if I had one gripe with Navida, it would be that I think I like the fact that in AKC hunt tests for the retriever world, and I don't know the pointing AKC tests well enough, but sure. we've got to pass five to six master tests to get your title. So that means yeah. you and your dog have to be consistent enough to accomplish a goal. And so many of the of the folks that run it, you know, cram all summer long to get their water work done and get them to stand steady and. and you know, delivered a hand basically like they just cram in one summer, run the the UT in the fall and boom, you got a prize one utility dog. And then it's like me in college cramming for a test. I don't remember shit uh, <laughs> the next day, but I, I pass that test. There, yeah. There's some of that. I mean, I think, yeah. No, you and, know, and I'll caveat that with, I, I'm, I don't mean to belittle it because you do I, actually have to do a ton of work and that dog really doesn't forget it the next day. Like I do. But I just wish it was like three, you know, something, well, something like that. Yeah. I, I agree. And I think, yeah, I mean, one thing it's got in its favor now is its popularity. So, I mean, it is, you know, I would say, you know, for the pointing dog world, so, so many things are dying, you know, like field trial game, you know, the old school field trial game is like, it's, it, it's really, really struggling right now. Um, and NAVDA is, is growing, you know, every year it's bigger, man. That's and there's awesome. people, and it's, it's inviting. And it's, a, it's, it's got a very, like there's a club culture and, and it's got a cool vibe, you know, and it's, uh, Absolutely. but in some, and some clubs are more than others in that regard. And I, and I mean, that, and it's hard to talk about this stuff, frankly, without coming off as critical to, to certain things. And I don't, you know, I don't want to, come off as overly critical to the test because I, I think it's a good test and I think it's a, for what you're doing it's a good objective look at that dog in right. a moment in time correct but like you said it's in a moment in time and it's not about consistency but it's also modeled on the German system and the Germans this is where it comes from you get like over there it's even worse man like they're, they're now I heard that recently was listening to a podcast where they were talking about you know they um kind of police your training leading up to your testing. And, and, uh, in one of the German tests with the duck, the follow the duck, which is essentially what became the duck search in NAVDA, you're only allowed three ducks in that dog's life <laughs> to train for that exercise. So it has now, to be so naturally. Duck yeah. Driven, and that's what, you that's, yeah. I mean, and that's what they're looking for, but there's so much training involved too. I mean, so they're, you know, the idea is they're really testing the dog's genetic potential but at the end of the day i mean like savvy trainers get get bad dogs through and 
you know, poor, poor trainers and handlers, unfortunately, go out there and hold the great dogs back oftentimes. So it's, you know, I, I mean, and, and to, to say that didn't happen would be, you know, un, you know, unfortunately just not true, you know, so there's, there's that, but I think that exists in everything, you know, and to every degree in all these games. So yeah. for a breed survey, I think it's the best thing going. It's, it's not without faults. I would like to see a series like that, you know, where and maybe even dial it back a little bit, like in terms of the, the kind of the strictness of the judging, and but have you be more consistent over time? I just would love to. Like I've I've ran them. I had yeah a, yeah I know you have. I've had so much fun doing it. Yeah, but you only had to do it once. <laughs> yeah, and it's over. And then right? it's over. <laughs> like one of the best dogs I've ever put my hands on, and she a- actually passed away. Rest in peace, Izzy. Um, yeah, oh. yeah. Sorry, Kevin, you didn't know. Uh, got hit by a car. Mm. Yep, she was eleven, and damn, made it eleven years. I know. You got hit by a car, and like it wasn't. You know, she wasn't loosey goosey. You know, country dog got hit by a car. It was just, you know, wrong place, wrong time. Dude yeah. drove away, yeah. smoked her, and uh, they basically thought she might be okay and more and more testing and a couple of days later it just was she'll never be the same and couldn't walk and yeah it was really bad but what i don't i don't really know what to say i've hunted with izzy a bunch what, I, I didn't know i killed my first grouse over izzy yeah it's <laughs> shitty when two months ago so, anyways, sorry to take that one down a notch, but uh, yeah, anyways, no, 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 <laughs> the, that was one of my most favorite dogs I've ever worked. Um, yeah. Just driven and smart and independent and a challenge and crushed, absolutely crushed it. And I would have loved yeah. to be like, are we doing it again in a couple of weeks? Like, let's do it again. And we yeah. talked to the judge because she didn't get a, you know, perfect score, max score, right? I'm like, yo, let's get a, let's get it. You know, we we're, we we're two points off or let's go. And the judge is like, you're an idiot. She got a prize one. Let it go. Like, dang. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's, no, but, I think you have a great point. And I think, and I think, you know, we're, we're, we come from different worlds. And I think in agriculture, like, they, you know, we, especially folks that maybe haven't stepped outside of it. Like there's, they don't, there's no problem. They just, they don't see it as anything, you know, they don't know any different. Um, but selfishly, I would love, like, you know, I play the field trials I play are really kind of small potatoes game, but it's, I think it's a really fun game and it has a pass fail contingent. And I think it's very friendly to like newbies or people crossing over from other disciplines. And so, you know, I'm not very, I say like, I'm on this crusade to bring people in you know from navda to cross over into the ukc field trials but that that would be disingenuous because i haven't i just tell people like you should do it you know so maybe yeah. i should actually go out there and put some content out or something they're really trying to recruit people but i think something like that you know go out there get your ut1 and this is what i i am trying to accomplish now get your ut1 get go to the invitational get your vc but the whole time you can be you know there's no uh, there's no mutual exclusion. There's nothing conflicting. You know, I can go out and run these trials and, and go do these tests and it's, I'm training for the same stuff. 
just yeah. a little extra for you for you to and this yeah yeah we'll have to so i ran another dog named huey and he got his prize one and qualified for this year the one you're going to oh cool and we can't go i mean we've got master nationals my, sure, buddy, sure. my buddy nick has weddings and it just it didn't pan out so we're gonna have to requalify him so he'll get another chance at a ut test yeah um, i thought they were going to this year i would check on it but i think because it this one came you know 2020 was canceled um and i could be i mean i might be talking completely out of my ass but I thought for some reason they were going to let people kind of def- defer here because this one was so packed, but I'm probably not right when saying that. Maybe it's just because it's going to be all the 2020, um, all, all the 2020 qualifiers are actually going to be at this one. It's going to be a giant invitation. That'll be a ton of fun to be at. Yeah. And unfortunately, like I've, I've got a kennel full. I had to like, and I'm, I've kind of changed the way I'm doing things here at the kennels. And so, um, you know, it's just I'm I, leaving a kennel full of dogs to go do this with a couple, and and uh, and you know, kind of having to extend some stays for other dogs. So I'm going to get on the road, run up there, and do it road warrior style. You know, show dogs and get a wreck on the road and come home. So I'd love to go make an event out of it, but it's it's just a different world doing it this way. You know, if you had a truck full of dogs all doing the same stuff, you can you can kind of create a party around it, but no, I'm in the same boat. I'm in the same boat. I mean, yeah, it's a, I've talked to a bunch of my buddies from all over the country. I have five dogs qualified for master national. The last year I had, or two years ago, I had three. Um, and you know, that's not a big number. You know, it's a good accomplishment. I'm very proud of myself, pat myself on the back. Yeah. Right. But when you look at the numbers as a business person, yeah, it's not good business. No, um, it's terrible business. But it's, I, I don't mean to cut you off, you know. But my friend, my friend Jerry Bradshaw, you know, he, every time I bitch about running trials and burning up money and time, and because it's what I love, right. you know, I always feel guilty that I'm, you know, we all do this to fuel our hobby. You know, and, and, and we still get excited when we run out to run mass nationals and stuff, you know, but that is, that's where we, that's our certification, man, as dog trainers. There's no entry barrier for what we do. That's you right. know, there's no certifying authority that says, you know, I'm an astonish or a dog trainer. You can now hang a shingle and train professionally. And so if you want, you know, if you want to show your clientele or your potential clientele that you're, that you're worth giving money to and trusting their dog with, you got to do these things, you know. That's right. I, I, and that, that is, uh, a part, part of it, uh, a big part of it. It's being, re- feeling relevant, being relevant. And then <laughs> just, man, I mean, I work hard year round, but I don't think I've outworked myself like this all, all summer long. Like the last two months has been so focused so methodical and and it makes me feel really good at the end of the day like hell yeah we're one day closer yeah and i might fail them all i i hope not i doubt it i i don't know but i could i could go out in the first series with all five of them and just stink up the place and have you know nothing to show for it but 
but I know, you know, and then this year I, I really put things in place business wise where I can trust the people I hired to man the ship for a couple of weeks while I tackle this, you know, endeavor. Yeah. It's tough. That's hard. I mean, I think we're, I think we're in similar places maybe, you know, yeah. and, that, yeah. and that, you know, and, and, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's always, I trust the folks I've got here. Um, but man, it's your baby. And if you, you know, I think you've probably been like me for a long time where, man, you know, I, I have, uh, been through very long periods where it was me. Like there was no kennel help. There was no bird boys. There was no way to plant launchers. You know, it was me and a four wheeler and, uh, and a kennel and, and, you know, and a topper and, and, uh, and then you get into that groove and it gets really, it's a, it's a very scary feeling handing the reins over to anybody to do anything after that. You know, hundred percent. So hundred percent, but I'm learning, I'm learning. You have to do it though. And you have to do it. And you have to get the right people and you got to really vet the heck out of them. Man. Yeah. I do feel very fortunate. I feel lucky to say that I do have that right this minute. Um, mm -hmm. And that's why I feel comfortable doing it. Yeah. But it is, I know right where you're at because mm, one year ago, if that, it was, and f from one year to when I started, it was a one-man ship. One trailer, yep. one truck, one poop scoop, one everything. And it was yep. all me. And if I won, I won. And if I didn't, it's because I didn't. So yeah. it's an interesting dynamic now, and, and I think that's a cool part of growing and changing and shaping and being a better business person, not just business, you know, better dog trainer. But I do think the dogs are getting trained better. No, for sure. No, I and mean, yeah, same same for me. I mean, now that things are beginning to become more organized, I won't say they're slowing down. They are, they are in some regards to, because of the help. You know, it, it just it allows you to have a broader vision. You know, you can, and it, I think it makes, it allows you to be a more, I don't know how to say it, man, but like, I don't want to say a better trainer, you know, but it allows you to be, um, more, more nimble, you know, in, in the way you approach your day. Yeah. It, it's helped me in a lot of ways. It's alleviated sure. some stress just because, you know, when it's all you, it's all you. And so everything from literally waking up at the crack of dawn to barking dogs, you know, and loading your own trailer and medicines and this and that. Like, I still take care of all that stuff, but the other yep. little projects, the other little to-do list things, I can delegate. And it, it's made those other projects that are daily more seamless. I get it. I get it, man. And it does. And then, you know, and you hopefully take advantage of it and become even more efficient. You know, and it's not that, I don't know, it's, it, it's it's an interesting business. It's never the same for any. I don't think any of us ever have the same exact experience. You know, I look at guys. You know, and I, you, especially you guys in the retriever world, man. You have you have the game. You know, I mean, that's if there's a model for how to be a professional um, hunting dog, field trial, gun dog, you know, hunt test guy. The, the, it's in the retriever game. You know, and, and, um, and so, but even, even there, nobody's the exact same, even if your top field trial pros, you know, that are running a very seamless operation are doing it just like each other. Right. Yeah. 
Speaking of side hustles and different ventures, I've watched you develop a snake avoidance course. Tell me about that. Um, so yeah, it's something I, I picked up. I, I, it's, it's weird. I've kind of been fighting myself on it. It's, it's a, I think it's honestly a good, um, it's a good little moneymaker, even though I never really thought of it that way or intended for it to be that. Um, I just happened to, I went out and I summered, it wasn't a full summer. It was like a mini trip. I took to Montana and I spent with a guy named Butch Nelson at Highlight Kennels. Um, he's a bird dog guy. He's a gun dog guy that used to run some um, small age and shooting dog stuff up there. And uh, and he runs a, a snake clinic up there. And a lot of guys out west do. You know, it's just kind of in their culture. Uh, and he had he has a system. And I spent a few weeks with him. And he had three or four of them while I was there. And and I just thought, man, like there's, you know, I knew there was one guy kind of doing it in Georgia, but he was a herpetologist first and a dog trainer second. Um, you know, and I feel like there's some, you know, it's a pretty simple process. I mean, it doesn't, you don't need to be a great dog trainer to do it, but I think being a little savvy and sensitive to, to specific things helps. But yeah, I mean, that was it. I mean, it was simply because there were so many people like when I would tell them about it, they were like, God, I wish we had that here, you know? And, um, and so I just found, a, I, it's a, you have to be a little more, uh, sensitive to the fact that like people on the East coast, it's not the same, it's not the same culture. You know, you can't just snag a rattlesnake from under a rock, pull its fangs out and throw it on a dog and burn them. Right. You know, you have to, you know, so I found a herpetologist that, takes very good care of the snakes and I make sure that the wildlife guys aren't going to, you know, take me to jail, you right. know, and, and, um, be a little more know, PC. So we, yeah. Yeah. We don't, we don't muzzle the snakes. We do, we have, we have double pane cages that get good airflow. And sometimes I have to like set a fan up to make sure I want the dog to get, you know, to road in with a nose full first, you know, and so the first kind of sensory perception they have is, they smell something, they go check it out when they, I want them to visualize it. And if it's a rattlesnake, especially hear it, you know, so I'm getting like full sensory perception. Then we give them a big aversive correction, let them fight their way away from it and, and go test it on the next snake. And then, so those are in cages and then we have a non-venomous snake that's, that's uncaged and loose that we kind of proof it all on the way out. Um, so far, I think it's proven to be a pretty good system. I've been doing it for like four years. And, uh, and I do a big one in Richmond, Virginia every year at Oropax, um, hunting preserve out, or outside of Richmond. And we've got a lot of repeat folks that come to that and we're just kind of keeping, keeping up with those. And so far I think we're batting probably like 800. Uh, and what I found, and the reason I say that is what I found is number one, there's certain dogs that like hate, like hate a snake in an aggressive way. Like want to kill um, it, and therefore, no matter yeah, what you like, do to them, they want it bad enough. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like they're going to load on the pain, and it's, and it's a, <laughs> in a weird way. Hurts so um, good. Come like, on, what, baby. Really would it, but it's always the same story, though. It's a dog that's left in the backyard unattended. Um, you know, down here we just have a, just a large population of copperheads mainly, and then black snakes too. And so the, the dogs kind of counter. We just 
they naturally counter condition the snake snake break. And, you know, so that's, those are the ones where I feel like we're, you know, we're, we're hearing of dogs that are re-engaging snakes. Any other dog that's not in that situation, we, we're hearing stories about snake encounters and dogs like hitting the brakes or run, even, you know, kind of run in the opposite direction, but coming around and, you know, like always avoiding. You know, nice. The only ones we're hearing about re-engaging are the ones that are in the backyard. So it's been, again, you know, it's been a good, good deal. I try to start them in like April as soon as it gets warm enough for that to happen. And I usually get a big surge that they're really interested in it in April. Um, I didn't run one in August this year, which was really stupid because that's when everybody wants them. Um, but I just didn't plan my, didn't plan my month correctly. Um, so I wasn't able to get one in and then right now I'm going to invitational. So I've got people beating down the door. They want it. You know, it's just a matter of being home for a Saturday to do it. Yeah. You're only one guy, man. You know, but it's, it's cool. And like I said, it's, it's a nice, you know, it's nice to have, uh, it's, it's not hard. I do think it, Rick, I'm glad I had a mentor. I'm glad I figured out what I was trying to accomplish before I just wandered out there and put it together. You don't need to reinvent the wheel, but I think there's room for other people on the East coast doing it for sure. You know? Well, don't tell anybody that you got this. <laughs> I don't care at all, dude. <laughs> well, I'm very fortunate where we live. We've got garter snakes and they aren't hurting <laughs> anybody. But, uh, yeah. I, I know that like my buddy Jack in Connecticut, they had some sort of rattlesnake. I don't yeah, know. I guess. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming up the Appalachians. Um, yeah, they, there's timber rattlers make it up pretty far north. I think. Is that a timber rat? Kevin's shaking his head. Yes, timber rattler. Um, <laughs> but I never saw one. Don't want to see one. I'm good, man. I'm not afraid of snakes. I just don't yeah. want to be their friend. No, I'm the same. Like it's, I've got this. I feel. I definitely feel the impulse to uh, to to do them harm. Like either <laughs> that or get away from them. Right. Like. <laughs> You know, I try to not do that way. I try to act like I, I really can coexist with them. But there's a very primal thing that says, when you like see it, where's the hoe? Yeah. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think you can say hoe on our podcast. Do we have to make this explicit now, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hear you. All right, man. So I want to kind of segue here into a, a different portion that I'm interested to hear your opinion on. Um, and it's it's touchy subject, so it's a little uncomfortable for me to ask you this, but I appreciate and respect your opinion a ton and know that you spent some time overseas, and I wondered what your opinion is on the state of the world in Afghanistan. Yeah, I think, I think um, you know, I appreciate you, you bringing it up, honestly, I, and the opportunity to, to talk about it. I, you know, I... Um, it's, it's certainly touchy. Like, I think you have to be careful how you talk about it because I think it, it's just one more thing that seems to be um, easy to, 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 like, divide folks with. And I, and that's, I think that's the really sad part, you know, to me, of watching how this has played out. Um, I hundred percent think there's been a failure of leadership. Uh, you know, but I think that, um, I think that falls on us, 
you know, it's, we're a democracy and it's our job to, uh, to be involved and not, and that doesn't mean bitch at each other on social media, you know, and run each other down. It's, it's, you know, recognizing that, uh, there's re- responsibility, you know, in being a, a citizen of the, you know, of the greatest country that's ever existed, you know, and, uh, it's a, it's a big responsibility and we have to be very vigilant to make sure, um, that we protect what we have, you know, and, that, and, and from ourselves. So that is, I say all that, you know, to kind of, as a disclaimer so that hopefully whatever I say, you know, it just understand it's, it's my personal opinion. It doesn't mean I feel any specific way about one thing or another. I hate being typecast, you know, politically. And I think that's something we're, we're getting really bad about in this country. But, um, you know, what happened over there was a travesty recently. Uh, we should not, certainly should not have uh, pulled out of Bagram without evacuating American citizens and American allies before we did, you know, and, and uh, a, a lot of people are going to be hurt or have been hurt that, that didn't need to be because we did that. So, yeah, that's, there, there may be other people that disagree, but I think, it, you know, and, and it, if, if we look at it under a microscope, it's that moment, that decision to do that thing exactly the way we did it, when we did it was, was you know, was bad. It was a stupid decision. And, we, and, and I think um, the current uh, uh, kind of executive branch is feeling the repercussions of that right now. And unfortunately, they, I think they doubled down instead of, you know, kind of adjusting fire in the moment. But, you know, that that's not just on the president. That's on Joint Chiefs of Staff. That's on the Commandant of the Marine Corps. That's on, you know, that's on not just our military leadership, but, you know, anybody at the State Department that could have stepped up and said this is stupid and probably didn't because they're too busy worrying about their careers and, you know, and whatever else they got on the line. You know, but somebody should have thrown their rank on the table and um, and made a big stink before that happened. And I don't think, I don't think they did. I don't know. Maybe they did. And maybe they got told to shut up and sit down and I don't know, you know, so it's, right. um, I'm kind of speaking out of turn as far as that's concerned. But, you know, I think, um, I think that could have been avoided. And I think we still could have ended the war, which we needed to do, you know, um, in one way or another. And so I don't know what that means really, you know, I mean, and, and there, there are American troops all over the world, you know, protecting American foreign interests. Uh, it, it, that's a, obviously a little more dynamic and kinetic environment. And so it's not like the ones that the guys that are sitting in Germany enjoying a pint or Stein or whatever every night and, and going back to the base and, and ha- having a good time. But uh, there's, we didn't need to just do what we did. So there's, I guess that's, a little bit of a rambling answer with no. some of it. No, it's it's interesting to me because I'm not I'm not a news guy and I'm not a political guy and I think if anybody who follows me probably is going to think that me just asking it is out of character because I try and keep 
you know, an opinion is like a a hole. Everybody's got one. They mm-hmm. all stink. So I, I kind of take that into consideration. I'm a dog man. I ask dog questions. I train dogs and that's what people follow me for and listen to this podcast for. It's I'm not, we're, we aren't political. This is actually yeah. the first time we've ever done this, but I feel yeah. like it's a, it's a real poignant event that makes me sad. Uh, and I've thought a lot about it and I follow a lot of Navy SEAL guys okay. and, and military folk that just are sad. They're not ang- like it's they're not ang- it's like your parents, right? They're not they're just disappointed. It's like what the heck? Like they got interpreters over there that just got left out to dry. Um all the equipment left behind, which I don't know. It, I also don't know if we believe everything that we see nowadays either, but you know, if all that equipment is now in their hands, like that's a scary and sad thing and I don't understand no I don't know if anybody does except the people who have the power, but why? Why couldn't we have just taken our time and figured this thing out and then say, in the middle of the night, we're all out, but have all your T's crossed and I's dotted before we did it. And it's just sad to see their country immediately fall back into the hands of the people we don't want it in. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I'm not, and I'm not a foreign policy expert. I know what I know. And you know, it's hard because I want to pontificate. I want to, you know, preach about it. I feel compelled to, but at the same time, like, you know, there's, there's good information out there. Uh, and you can, you know, you don't have to be a freaking, you know, science nerd to figure out how to get objective information on the internet. You just need to be aware of your own biases, you know, and don't just read the shit that that is being sold to you, you know, and, and I mean, the Taliban that are now in charge over there, they were the bad guys. Those were the, the bad guys that we fought, you know? And, and so that's sad that it just like, it feels like it just overnight was like, well, that's, we tried, it's over, you know, but at the same time, there's a lot of good, man. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of people that, I grew up over there, you know, um, or I didn't, not, you know, not my entire young adulthood, but there were, I, I definitely cherish and appreciate the time I got to spend there, you know, and, and, and it's a different place politically, you know, culturally, it's not built to be what we are. And, and that's the hard thing to keep trying to create or recreate places in our own image and, not only do they not know how to do it, you know, they don't, part of them doesn't want it, even though they think they do. That's the hard part, you know, and, and, um, but I believe in democracy and I believe that we should, you know, that if, it's like a business, man. If you're not growing, you're, you're dying, you know, and, and we've got to be very careful to, to become complacent and the world's too small to just cloister up and say, we're going to, you know, we're going to only take care of our own and we're not going to worry about what's going on with the rest of the world. You know, what's going on in the rest of the world affects us every day. And if we're not out there protecting our interest, then it's going to visit us here, you know, or it has the potential to. So I think what we did over there was the right thing for 20 years. It was just, there was no right answer at the end, you know? Right. 
it's tough. It's tough. And so there's no right answer, you know. And then of course, um, it just it just could have been nice if it didn't end exactly the way it did. But yeah, it's a bummer. It's sad. I think more than anything else, that's that's the feeling I have over it when I think about it. Um, you know, I, I wish those people with those SIV visas, the folks that that were really, really supporting America's effort in that country, especially since there's an opportunity that they have been compromised. Uh, it's that's that's our response. Those people are our responsibility, and and you know, shame on us, man, for for not giving those people an opportunity to become American citizens and and live this dream that we all have, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think that's how I feel. I, I'm not savvy enough to have any deeper thought other than I'm just sad for for them. I'm sad for mm-hmm. a lot of different reasons. It just, I don't know. Emp- I empathize with those that aren't lucky enough to walk out their back door and go <laughs> play with dogs all day, even though that's yeah. not always how we feel, but we really are lucky. And uh, we're talking about invitational and we're talking about master national and we're talking about duck season and dove season and quail and, you know, and they're in a world of hurt right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you know, and they're not alone, man. You know I mean? That's, that's the thing is, I mean, it's that, that sucks like that thing, but it's not the only thing going on in the world, man. There's, you know, um, it's such a, anybody that has the opportunity to travel, you know, should do so. And I encourage them to get to the third world, man, to, 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 for a perspective on what we have, you know, and, and, um, it's not just poverty, you know, it's security. It's, there's people that go to sleep every night, not knowing, you know, whether somebody's going to, you know, kick in their door and kill their family. (laughs) And then, you know, and that's, those people are going through it over there right now for sure. And, and we're, yeah, we got an awesome life. And we, God, all we want to do is fight with each other on the internet. Yeah, that blows my mind. That blows my mind. Well, all right, let's uh, let's jump into something a little bit more happy. But I, I really wanted your opinion on it because I value your opinion, and you, you're, you've earned the right to give your opinion, and uh, it means a lot to me that you're open enough to talk about it. So thank you. Well, it's kind of, yeah, and, yeah I mean, I, it's, it's not worth a whole lot, but, you know, I, I think, yeah, it's just cool to talk, talk to somebody that's not trying to push an agenda. So, yeah, for what it's worth, that's it. But, but yeah, back to back to something more. More positive. How about um, puppies? Yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about puppies? <laughs> yeah, we need to go straight to pups, man. They, I, got, I got two cocker puppies in the backyard right now driving me up the wall. I know. I saw, did you just pop a cork? No, what? <laughs> I just hear a cork <laughs> pop. That's freaking awesome. All right. Well, what are you having right now? <laughs> it's, I'll tell you, you know, uh, um, one of the perks, somehow one time, one client, like five or six years ago, brought me a nice bottle of bourbon. And this is really the value of social media. I made a post thanking them. And it kind of got out that if like, hey, if, if you like Grayson, maybe give him a bottle of bourbon. 
so so that's become a become a thing. So I, I haven't, you know, I'm not that big a bourbon drinker to be honest with you, but I'm trying to like I, what I am is fat, and so I'm trying to cut back on my on my uh, barley pop intake. There you go. So, well, I get the okay. same thing, but it's always Bush Light thirty packs. I don't know what the deal is with that. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, no. I, so I saw the cocker puppies, and then you're also have been breeding some Labrador retrievers, right? Yeah, yeah. We had a litter of lads with um with my my personal dog Althea. Uh, she's she's curled up here, man. She's in season, driving all the boys much mm. around the farm right now. But we had a we had a great litter. I um I had a good friend, Robin Watson, that uh, is a Brit. That left, left, moved back to Scotland, and was running the shoot over there. And when he did, he he sold me a couple of straws of um of some of, off a field champion over there that he really liked, and we used it on her. And um, man, we had a jam up litter. Like that was super, super nice. So, um, some British dogs, but uh, I don't know. I I I, I I'm really like enthralled with lads at the moment. I just, you know, make my living in pointing dogs. So Emily's going to be running out the, in a, in a started, um, HRC deal. Cool. Uh, next week and the week after up at uh, Bill, big Elkin Creek. Oh yeah. You probably are in that one for. Oh yeah. So she's going to get that chance, but yeah, it's, uh, so it was a, yeah, that's, that's something that happened here. We may, We'll probably be doing that in the future. We got we got some British dogs around here. It's just it's like a little hotbed, um, but and I'm not I'm certainly not tied to to that in any way. We're just there's some good ones, and it just happens to be the dogs I have access to and can get my hands on. Um, but we'll see. What about the Labrador? Going? You know, well, I'm going to ask a question, then I'm going to give you my response. Yeah, because for sure. I, I think it's vice versa. Like, I've got my pointing dog that I'm just excited about, and it's almost fall, and I'm feeling that, you know, grouse yeah. and woodcock. So I saw, yeah, you had a litter of setters too. Well, here we are. <laughs> like I've got all my Britneys, and I'm like, I don't really. I'm I'm excited to have a litter of lab pups, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but what is it about the lab that it, you said you get you excited right now? What it what makes that a thing? I think, I mean, I'm sure it's probably similar with you and Andy, you know, like it's, she's different, you know, and, and Althea is, I mean, she's such, she's, she's so important to what I do here. Um, I've always had a flushing dog. Uh, and I, I'd had a couple of dogs before that were, were cool. They weren't her. And I had a couple of cockers. Um, and then when she got here, just kind of stuck but what i think really more than anything is like she can be around all the time and she's so unobtrusive but she can just pop right into drive so fast and take care of business and then pop right back out of drive and and when she's around and she's out of drive like you don't know she's there you know and yeah and only if you are willing to give her affection you know do you do you recognize her and other than that she's just you know, great if you're guiding, super good with the clients, just shows super well. You never have to worry about her like that. And that's the thing with my pointing dogs. Like, 
you know, if you take your eyes off of them, they're gone, man. They're thinking about birds on the other side of the farm, right. you know, and she's just curled up in your shadow somewhere. Yeah. No, that's exactly what I was thinking with, with Andy is my work is retrievers. My work is running blinds and teaching them this and teaching them that and talking about it on a podcast. And, you know, it's the minute I go to bed, I'm thinking about it. The minute I wake up, I'm thinking about it. And to take her out and walk a field and she points a pigeon or whatever for training. We're just running her with the four-wheeler. It's just a break. It's a mental break. And then even when I'm duck hunting, I'm the dog guy. We're talking yeah. dogs generally. Um, you know, whatever it is, it's just I'm always on. And that walk through the f- woods for grouse, you know, or at least how we do it, we all kind of split up a little bit so that it's not yep. three guys trouncing through the woods and flushing birds way out ahead of us. It's it's me and a dog, Kevin yep. and his dog over, you know, off flushing birds out in front of them. <laughs> I hear a couple <laughs> shots ring out. Did you get them? Nope. You know, same yeah. old, same old. And then my yep. buddy Nick and his dog, and, and they're off in a different corner. And, and so it's just a, it's a very much me thing and me and Andy, yeah. and I, I really cherish that break and i love duck hunting with my dogs don't get me wrong i i freaking cannot wait to sit in a blind with them but but it's just different and i like it 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 is man and like you know spaniels and and retrievers are like engaged like they they're you know when, when i'm when you're training them or herding breeds to you know they're they're with you and everything like they're way you're in this like cybernetic feedback loop that is just like you're completely dependent and codependent on each other for everything you're doing reaction reaction action reaction all the time and there's this thing about a pointing dog where it's like you get just enough handle on them to just let them go do their thing Mm -hmm. and and just you're an observer like you're along for the ride yep and that's that's cool, man. Like, that's the thing that, and I still get excited about, about that, but I recognize like, you know, um, I, I get excited about having a lab that engages me because so many of my dogs could, you know, all my client dogs care less about what I'm doing. You know, they just want to go and I'm just, like I said, just raining them in enough to, to be able to let them go. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's right. So what do you, let's, let's talk about this. Beside your own personal dogs, who's your favorite dog in your kennel right now and why? Ooh. Ooh, man, it's Big Wayne. Big Wayne? Oh, my. Big, Big Wayne. I like it. <laughs> Big Wayne is, uh, been, he's been with me the longest right now. I've had him, gosh, I've had him since like March or February. And I, and I don't keep those long term. Like, um, I've actually shifted to like, I'm doing six week increments. And with like a two week gap in between now, uh, not to get off on that, but it's just made my life so much more manageable. But, um, Wayne is, he's, he's running his UT at the end of September. He's this big strapping white and liver short hair. 
and he just you know he's got he's got holes but they're they're honest holes like he wants it you know and um but he also is he's manageable and, and tractable he's not com- you know completely like he's not just always thinking about whatever's on the other side of the hill like he's willing to deal with me you know and it's just we've had we've got a good relationship man you know you know how it is you just you just end up uh I mean, he's probably my favorite dog because I've been with him the longest and we just are the most comfortable with each other. And most of the dogs are just passing through, you know, and it's, I get them, I get them once and I, I bring them back and I, you know, I try to, what I try to do is get a relationship with the owner. Um, but I rarely get them for, you know, for a full half year or something like that. And so he and I are, yeah, we're, we're on the same page right now. It feels pretty good. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Yeah, I, I I guess that would be a difference in a little bit of what we do is I I'm very fortunate enough to that I have a little bit long more long term yeah. dogs or they go home for a few months and then they come back and they go home and they come back or whatever the case may be. But if someone wants a dog that can run three marks and and pick up two tough blinds, like you gotta have commitment. Uh, yeah, with having your dog yeah. being gone for sure. And I yeah, would, if you're if you're running master level dogs, man, like that's that's a that's a multi year process. Yes, like that's not a you know that's not you bring send me your dog for three or five months and or we're done and I send it to you and you go put a master on it. That's you know that's we we are all in this together um, for the long haul. Yeah, and I would say that right now that my my dog would be Lizzie. I haven't talked about Lizzie much on the podcast. Probably, you know how sometimes dogs are like the not problem dog, so you kind of forget them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> and, but Lizzie is is two years old. She had her second birthday, like, I don't know, August. And she got her senior title this summer. And I'm running her in senior test, four for four. And she was so composed at the line. Didn't make any mistakes. And in training, she's running what the big dogs are running. But she's just young. So I'm like, ah, you know, I don't want to bite off more than we can chew. Yeah. But she was just so good. Yeah. And, and I know her owner wants her home. And she's the sweetest woman I've ever met in my life. And... Never hunted a day in her life. Just bought a damn good dog and is like, well, if she has fun, you know, we'll just keep going. Yeah, yeah. I know that. And Lizzie loves it. And Lizzie's really, really, really good at it. Is there any chance she's going to stay in the gene pool? Yeah, yeah. That is something that she's interested in learning more about. And, you know, it's it's something. But... uh, we we were we ran her in her first master test and it was one, they lost we had 66 dogs in the first series and they lost 33 of them or 32 of them whatever it was it was 50% and that's kind of unheard of usually you'll, you you will lose like 15 yeah. and then the second series has 40 something dogs or 50 dogs and then the next series you got 40 something dogs and 35 will pass 
you know, so you're at 50%, right? Or 40%. We lost 50% in the first series. It was just tough. And she, yeah, I was about to say, I'm glad I wasn't the judge on Facebook. After that. <laughs> they were actually good friends of mine. So no, God bless them. They were great. They, it, <laughs> no, it just, it was tough, man. I, I don't yeah, think no, I get it. I don't good. And you got, yeah, got to come around every once in a while. Yeah, they, they definitely looked at the test afterwards and they're like, well, I don't think we meant to do that, but it just yeah, ate yeah. dogs up and she yeah. handled it like a dream and just stayed with me and worked with me and at a very young age her composure and team playerness and like the problems I I did a podcast with Lyle Steinman in the spring like talking about Lizzie just having a hard time with blinds and then killer podcast by the way oh thank you um but but we talked about dogs who kind of you sit them on the whistle at a distance and they look around and they're they're thinking they're not focused on me and and four months later we're passing master tests like she's done it a hundred times and so right now I'm extremely high on her and just the team that she and I have built I'm I'm I love her I'm I'm excited for her future I get it man it is you definitely you know and I don't I've decided you know and, and I have I'm taking this one client dog to the invitational this year, but it's not, it's not, and I'm taking another dog to to a UT for somebody else, but it's like, I'm almost actively avoiding that. And I'm trying to just be a gun dog guy. And, um, and I'm trying and at night and, and I don't, not your quintessential gun dog guy, not you know, whatever that means to whoever, but, um, it, you know, there's, it's easier to compartmentalize things when you don't have to, it, it, it almost like there's some emotional stuff that goes along with like when you're keeping dogs for really long term, you know, and you hand it back over and it's part of the job, you know, they go home and it's whatever. Um, but I don't luckily rarely get that kind of emotional investment in the dogs that come through here anymore. It's really in the clients now. Yeah, you know, that, that, no, that I, I get that I have that relationship with. But that's what sucks when they fail. No, I know. No, it hurts, dude. Oh, it hurts <laughs> so bad. It hurts so bad to make that phone call. <laughs> I know it. You know, but you got to. And that's why you're. You know, but this is this job teaches you to be so honest. You know, like you learn early. Like you, you are gonna err on the side of. Ooh, I don't know. You know, yes. <laughs> riding that, you know, like, you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. It's never going to work out for you. And then it does and you're elated and then you get overconfident and you start bragging on yourself and then you get checked really quick. Oh yeah. You know? Oh, it's a, it's a really interesting ride. It's a really interesting ride with, with the emotional roller coaster and the highs and the lows and the long days and the early mornings and, you know, you, you put everything in them and, and then guess what? They're still a damn dog who will turn around right. and eat a pile of turd yep, and blow up at a test when you know full well and good that they were ready for it. And, uh, yep. man, it's, it's humbling because you do put everything into it and you expect, I, I don't know about you, but I, I am probably a perfectionist in a lot of ways. And then if you looked at my mm-hmm. podcast room and office, you'd think I was not a perfectionist. Sure. <laughs> it, sure. It's a mess, 
but I would rather yeah. perfect the other things than this. But I, I really expect high, highly uh, of my dogs, and and I don't know. It's a bummer when they don't do well because I know they can. I, yeah, for sure. I yeah, I mean, I I think pointing dogs let me off the hook a little bit sometimes, to be honest with you, in that regard. You know, I mean, you get you guys do, man. Your working relationship with your dogs is on a just on a different level in that independence. Uh, all on, I think with the pointing dogs, especially in the field trials, we're really just trying to get them to a place where we can we can show what they are genetically mm-hmm. and be out of their way, you know. And and I, I I think about that often, you know. And it, and when I say it lets me off the hook, it's like, I mean, it, there's, you know, in a, in a pointing dog field trial, there's a there's a standard. And like you either meet it or you don't, you get around clean, you get around clean. The rest of it's subjective. It's up to the judge, you know? And so it's, you, you, you run for a half hour, you run for, you know, the national on horseback for three hours or whatever. And so many dogs are going to get around that course without making a mistake. And the judge at the end of the day goes, okay, well, that's the one I like the best, you know? And, and that, it's, uh, you always want to win. It feels really good to win, you know, but at the end of the day, if they didn't pick your dog, well, you gave, you, you couldn't have done it much better, you know, and you can, it's easy to say that to yourself. Well, and there's times where you wouldn't, obviously, you know, but when it's the objective standard and you're going out there and grinding it out day in and day out, you know, over and over and over again. And, uh, and that dog, and that's when I'm saying this, I'm thinking Nabdo, right? You know, and then you go out there and it doesn't happen. Poof, it's deflating. Yeah. You know? Oh, man, massively. <laughs> like every time, I'm going to quit. <laughs> <laughs> see, what, what, did you guys see the ECPI commercial? You got to work on that new program they got for whatever, coding. No, I didn't. No, I'm, I'm going to learn to code. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Dude, I, I know it. And that's where, again, we'll we'll bring it back home real quick with, you know, uh, uh, congratulations to you and the dogs are taken to the Invitational for NAVDA. But it's a... Wow, that's the word. I'm struggling. You're the wordsmith here, not me, but... Uh, it is a ode to you on hard work and dedication to your craft and the dogs that you've built to get them to that level. And then now, you know, you're not teaching them anything between now and the invitational. You're going yeah. to practice. You're going to condition. You're going to work on obedience. You're going to do the little things to try and make the big things right when you get there. But like, to just be where you're going to be in a couple of weeks is a real accolade and, and something you should take pride in and be excited to be there and drink it in and be excited and have the bubble guts and sweat and, and then just hang on tight. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. I think, I think you're right. And I hope you're feeling the same way. I mean, it's, you know, yeah, you have to stop, Every once in a while, and 
and, and, you know, give yourself a little, little bit of credit, you know, at the same time, you got to have a really short memory and get right back to work, you know, and then, yeah. so, but enjoying the ride is so important. And I, I'm a huge believer in like, you know, the, the destinations are, are misleading and that it truly is about the journey. You know I mean? That's kind of, uh, sappy and, um, you know, just goofy, but I, I, I do believe that, you know, and it's, you know, you look back and it's good to remember those times where you had, had a great win, but it's, it's like you talk about with Lizzie, man, you know I mean? It's the day in day out. That's really important. You know? Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. I, I, not to drag that point out, but I, we were at a hunt test this past weekend and we had a good weekend, but it wasn't my successes that made it. I just, I did my job. I, and that's what we do. We go and we do the, our job and we had a good weekend, but I have a client that, uh, has a golden retriever. I trained it to the senior level, but he ran her and he got her senior title like two years ago. And he's, you know, he'll come out a few times, you know, a summer and, you know, bring lunch and just, he's a friend now, right? Like he's just a friend and he's yeah. 62 lineman, foreman, like good dude. And earlier this summer, I'm like, F it, run, run Addie in a master test. He's like, no, she can't do it. I'm like, well, I'll tell you what, I'll bet you something to this. I don't want to make up a full lie story, but you know, don't let the truth get in, in the way of a good story. I get it. <laughs> sure. Something to the effect of if she can pick this triple up clean and run that blind well enough, you have to enter in a master test before duck season. Okay. Well, sure as shit, she stomped it. And I go, well, there you go. You know, let's do it, man. And we had one close by and we got a room, hotel room together. And he ran her. And I watched the first, I got to watch the first series. And this was the part I was bummed out about because I had to do my job and go do junior and senior dogs. And I couldn't watch everything. But, I watched him run the first series, and you could see him shaking. You could see him being nervous, and the dog freaking stomped it. I'm like, whew, all right, one down. He did it, one down. And then I got to go and run another dog somewhere else, and he ran the second series. And I come, I fly back. I'm humming down this dirt road trying to get back in time to watch him run. And I get there, and he's walking off the line, and I, I just see him, and he's like smiling like, yes. She, she did it she you know he he's smiling like at least in his head she did it you know i don't know what the judges will say or what other people will say but he did it in his head so yeah. sure shit he's called back to the third series and uh like that night in the hotel room we we're having a beer and he sent me a video of ember my chesapeake bay retriever client and addy addy was eight weeks old and Amber was like three months old, swimming in a puddle. And I'm just sitting there thinking, like, he saved that. Like, I've known this guy for four years, his whole dog's life. We've made this journey together. And, like, I got chills thinking about all the people we've met, all the lives that we've impacted and these dogs have impacted 
and and me and you like this is our livelihood like tomorrow i'm gonna pick up dog shit and you know go throw marks and run blinds <laughs> and bingo bango but but the, but you said it the journey and and i forget it a lot and i'm trying to be better about it and that night was like an eerie give you goosebumps moment where he saved the video of me and him meeting for the first time getting his okay. puppy to swim and it was like this is amazing and yeah, she just got her first master pass and under him under him like he did it all yeah that's so cool man that's yeah. that is like you know it's good it's it's good to to hang some ribbons on the wall and it's good to make a living like those kind of things those human connections like for real like that that's real stuff you know and that's the kind of stuff when you're sitting around a campfire that's what it's all about yeah you know i mean it's it, that i mean that's what life's about like you can't take it with you type stuff you know yeah. those are the moments that that you I mean you honestly live for so yeah no i felt very i felt very very lucky in that moment that i had a uh an experience like that and a buddy like that and a dog like that that brought us together and da 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 and that's why we do it and uh I don't know, man. I, I might cry right now. I might shed a tear. <laughs> but it's a good life, dude. We gotta, we you know somehow, man. I don't know how I stumbled into this. We got know, lucky. Here. Yeah, for sure. We I got really lucky. Believe that. All right, I'm gonna end it on this note. We said it last year during last time's podcast that me and you are getting together when I get south, and now I I full heartedly mean it. Whether it's my ride down. Because Woodcock season is short, and I will be yeah. catching the tail end of it. So if you got space, I'm coming. Come on, come on. I'll tell you what's not short. It's squirrel season, and there's a <laughs> fight in there too, man. So don't worry about it. We'll make it happen one way or another. All right, very good. All right, man, do me a favor. Give everybody a, a lasting uh, tidbit of where they can find you on the old instagrams and websites and if they want to do a snake avoidance course or you know you got some cocker puppies for sale like whatever you got give it hit them hit them hard uh let's see so i don't i have no idea when i'll do the next snake avoidance clinic it may happen it may not uh there's two cocker puppies one belongs to the breeder and i'm waffling about whether i'm going to keep the other one um, but if you Google lost highway kennels, odds are there you'll find me. So I, I, <laughs> <laughs> odds are high, <laughs> but yeah, check it out. Give me a call. If there's anything I can do for you, um, you know, but more importantly, come on man. let's make, make those human connections. I dig it, man. Well, good luck. Please, please, please keep us all posted on your invitational I wish you the best of luck and have fun and enjoy the ride. Be safe on the ride and go kick some ass. Thanks, buddy. Same to you, man. I'll be thinking about you guys. Hey, if you haven't done it already, jump into patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. If you enjoy the show and want to support the show, if this show has helped you and your dog grow together, if you enjoy our Instagram, if we've helped you at all, it's like buying me and Kevin a beer and you get more one-on-one -on -one from me. You get content that doesn't hit Instagram or YouTube and it enters you to win a free hunt with me and Kevin in Missouri this duck season. So jump on, links in the description. We'd be happy to have you and love to help you.
Hey listeners, Nick Larson here, host of the Birdshot Podcast. As fans of this show, you may be interested in the conversations on the Birdshot Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting, from upland birds and their habitat and conservation, to the shotguns, bird dogs, and gear used to pursue them. Whether you're a seasoned upland hunter or just getting started and wanting to learn more, I interview a wide range of guests, each with their own unique perspective and valuable experience to share. If you're on the hunt for more upland hunting conversation, please consider subscribing to the Birdshot Podcast today. Thank you.